0: Exodus chapter 19 verse 10, the Lord also said to Moses, go to the people and consecrate them today and tomorrow and let them wash their garments and let them be ready for the third day. For on the third day, the Lord will come down on Mount Sinai in the sight of all the people. You shall set bounds for the people all around, saying, beware that you do not go up on the mountain or touch the border of it. Whoever touches the mountain shall surely be put to death. No hand shall touch him, but he shall surely be stoned or shot through. Whether beast or man, he shall not live. When the ram's horn sounds a long blast, they shall come up to the mountain. So Moses went down from the mountain to the people and consecrated the people, and they washed their garments. And he said to the people, Be ready for the third day. Do not go near a woman. So it came about on the third day, verse 16, when it was morning, that there were thunder and lightning flashes and a thick cloud upon the mountain and a very loud trumpet sound, so that all the people who were in the camp trembled. And Moses brought the people out of the camp to meet God. And they stood at the foot of the mountain. Let's pray. So, Father, help me to share what you want me to share. God, I need your help to say just enough to get this message across in the fashion you want it to. In Jesus' name, amen. So here's the map, and they come out of Egypt. Some The traditional site of Mount Sinai was down here, but uh, other archaeologists and researchers believe that when they took the turn, they came down this way, and they actually crossed this part of the sea, and because Mount Horeb is over here in the wilderness of Midian, and even in galatians 4 when paul talks about mount sinai he talks about it being in arabia so that would be this section over here on this side not down here on this traditional site and so over here in present day saudi arabia that's what this is they have there is this mountain that it looks like the top of it has been scorched and so we don't know exactly what mountain this was but we don't you know was it this one or not i don't know um, but it's very interesting, and there's also other artifacts they have found around there, and even this part of the the sea they have found some things in there that are covered by coral now. But it looks like they were objects made by humans. So I wanted to show that because when we read this portion of scripture, and you see you see how this these people come out to meet God. They think about this and, and Moses has been up there, but now call them out. It's time for them to come out. to They've been in Egypt. They're coming out of Egypt. They've been crying out to God. God's answering. And now it's time to meet God, meet the living God, who, who's like a fiery furnace, who ascends upon this mountain. Moses comes down from his. Hey, it's time now to meet God. And when you hear this ram's horn blast, when it's an extended blast, that's how you're going to know that it's me. Any of you ever been in a tornado? What did it sound like? Yes. A train or something, an airplane. The power. This is the greatness of God. This is what God wanted me to talk about today. Whoever... Leads one of these little ones who believe in me to stumble. To be better if he had a millstone hung around his neck. Mark 9 verse 44. And he's not talking about kids there. He's talking about believers. Just as in 1st John he goes little children. He's talking about believers there. This is serious stuff. Psalm 105 verse 15. Touch not my anointed. Why? Because they're anointed. What or who are they anointed with? The Holy Spirit of God. And if God's presence is there, remove your feet or your shoes. Don't touch it. Be careful. Remove those shoes. Whoever touches this mountain will die. Verse 18. Now Mount Sinai was all in smoke because the Lord descended upon it in fire. And its smoke ascended like the smoke of a furnace and the whole mountain quaked violently. And when the sound of a trumpet grew louder and louder, remember that ram's horn? Moses spoke and God answered him with thunder. The Lord came down on Mount Sinai to the top of the mountain. The Lord called Moses to the top of the mountain. Moses went up. The Lord spoke to Moses. Go down, warn the people so that they do not break through to the Lord to gaze. And many of them perish. Also, let the priests who come near to the Lord consecrate themselves or else the Lord will break out against them. Moses said to the Lord, the people cannot come up to Mount Sinai, for you warned us, saying, set bounds about the mountain and consecrate it. I, I love the dialogue that takes place between Moses and God. Moses talks to him like he's a friend. Have you ever noticed that? Well, you've told him they can't come up here. Now, what are we supposed? It's that sort of thing. Just like when God says, get out of the way, I'm going to annihilate them. I'm going to start over with you. Moses goes, you're not going to do it. He's talking to him like a friend, like your name is at stake here. The Egyptians will say that you just couldn't take care of these people. Your greatness is what's at stake. The greatness of God. Verse 24, the Lord said to him, go down, come up again, you and Aaron with you. And do not let the priests and the people break through to come up to the Lord or he will break forth upon them. So Moses went down. To the people. And then you know. God speaks in chapter 20 to Moses. And if you know Exodus chapter 20. It's what we call the ten commandments that are given. And he shares them with Moses. That's in verses 2 all the way through 17 of chapter 20. And I'm trying to speak about the greatness of God today. To fear. And not be afraid is the great paradox of the Christian faith, A.W. Tozer said. And paradox means two glories. Dox. You know the doxology? Glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Ghost. Glory. Paradox. It's Two glories. To shake in fear of the greatness of who God is, and not be afraid. The book of Hebrews says, even Moses said, I tremble with fear. This is an awesome scene. How can someone like me do it justice talking about it right now? Think about this. To talk about the greatness of God ought to be the easiest thing for a Christian to ever do. And I have never felt more inadequate than at this moment. How do I do this? How do I really say anything that even comes close? To God's greatness. God's greatness is bigger than our enemies. God's greatness is bigger than our boredom. It's bigger than our loneliness. It's bigger than our appetite. It's bigger than our desire for self-promotion. God's greatness. And I'm so thankful for scriptures like this where we can just look at it and say, okay, God, please reveal to me How great thou art. So the Ten Commandments are given. Now in verse 18, watch this. The people perceived the thunder and the lightning flashes and the sound of the trumpet and the mountain smoking. And when the people saw it, they trembled and stood at a distance. What would you have done? What did you do when you were in that tornado? You ever survived a hurricane? Ever been? Anybody here ever been in an earthquake? You ever stood at the cor- at the edge of the Grand Canyon? Have you ever stood there? Or gotten out of the parking lot at Niagara Falls and heard that rumble? You ever looked at a huge mountain and think that thing is about the size of a flea compared to how big and how great God is? How big are your problems? How big is our God. So they stand at a distance. Verse 19, they said to Moses, speak to us yourself and we will listen. But let not God speak to us or we will die. This is powerful scene. We brought you out now to the mountain of God to meet God. And they're saying, you talk to him. Now, here's what's interesting. Interesting. These Ten Commandments have not been put on tablet, placed on tablets yet. I don't know if we realize this, but the tablets are not given until over in chapter 24. It's in chapter 24 because they don't want God to speak to them that God puts it on tablets so that they can now look at it on tablets rather than hearing the voice of God. You want to know what we have in the New Covenant? We have great and awesome God who writes his law. Where? Our hearts. Speaks to our hearts. This great and awesome God. I dare say if a powerful, or if any angel really showed up right here now, some can see him better than others, but I mean if one just manifests. Just an angel. What you see in Scripture is everybody fall to the ground. What do you think we would do if that were to happen right now? God, help me to talk about the greatness of God. Follow with me. Over in chapter 24. So what happens in 20 through 24 is you got the covenant, the book of the covenant. But the tablets of stone are not even given until down in verse 12 of chapter 24. I will give you the tablets, the stone tablets. That's his word. Chapter 24, verse 12. But to begin with, God spoke it. And the sound of his voice terrified him. Isn't that something? The greatness and awesomeness of God. I know the other hymn that his, he speaks and the sound of his voice is so sweet that the birds hush their singing. The great, the the awesomeness of God to be afraid but not to fear to say okay I'm going in you're great and awesome I'm going in this is what happens in revival people get a hold of the greatness of who God is so verse 1 chapter 24 y'all over there with me he God said to Moses come up to the Lord you and Aaron Nadab and Abihu and 70 of the elders and you shall worship at a distance. Okay. So they go up there. And you remember they have a vision of God. Look down at verse 9. Moses went up with Aaron, Nadab, and Abihu, Seventy elders of Israel. And they saw the God of Israel under his feet. There appeared to be a pavement of sapphire. Clear as the sky itself. You guys see in the tie-ins with the book of Revelation? I see a glass that's before him. And they see this God of heaven. And I don't know all that what it means. OK, and neither do you. Okay? We don't know. But let's just take the word at what it says. And it says in verse 11, chapter 24. Yet he did not stretch out his hand against the nobles or the sons of Israel. They saw God. And what did they do? They ate and they drank. I want you to try to get a hold of this. This huge mountain fire has come down on it. They're up there and they're seeing God and they're hearing this voice that has terrified the people in the camp. And now let's sit down and have a bite. To fear and not be afraid. What do we talk about in Sunday school? Behold, I stand at the door and knock. He who opens to me, I will come in to him and dine. We'll eat together. This is amazing. You think you could eat at a moment like this? I believe we could. I believe we can. How? I don't know. But I know there's a marriage supper waiting all of us in heaven. The greatness of God. So here they are eating with God. (laughs) This is what happens in covenant. When covenant, you sit down and you eat together. And other cultures really get this. They do this. But I've got to keep moving now. Here's what I want to pose this question to you. Nadab and Abihu are here. You remember what happens to Nadab and Abihu, Aaron's sons? They're killed. They die because they decide they're going to offer strange fire to God. How in the world? Could you ever offer strange fire to God like the pagans do after seeing the greatness of who God is? So do you remember the Mount of Transfiguration? You guys remember? Jesus, another mount, another mount of God. Jesus takes Peter and who else? John and James. Up on this mountain, and man, they fall down. They fall down, and they're uh, they're beside themselves. They're get some tents here for you and Moses. And I mean, they don't even know what they're saying. They're in utter terror. And then you know, everything parts, and they see nothing but Jesus alone. And you got this peaceful, wonderful place. How did they see the greatness of God? And then Peter denies him. All of them deserted him, except John. Correct? So James deserts. How do you see the greatness of God like this, and now you desert him? How? Don't answer out loud. It's a rhetorical question. And John, okay, he doesn't desert him. But do you remember what James and John start arguing about, and what their mother gets them to come ask Jesus? Hey, who's the greatest? You have seen the greatness of God. And now you're going to argue about, oh, I'm greater than you. No, I'm greater than you. No. How, 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 how do we sit in church and take just a moment like this? And when we come together, the Holy Spirit is here and he's stirring because you brought him in with you. You brought him in with you, believer. And now here we are. And now here he is concentrated and right now today he's got us focusing on the greatness of God. That's Lewis's testimony is about the greatness of God. It really is. How does a doctor walk in and say there's no evidence of a stroke? The greatness of who our God is. How do Nadab and Abihu do this and Peter, James and John do this? I don't know. But how many of us think that we just might stumble into some sin this week. How? I don't know. This is a paradox. You see? This is absolutely amazing to me. Go back, if you would, to chapter 2020. 2020. Moses said to the people, 2020, do not be afraid. (laughs) I mean, think about this. Don't be afraid. What's more powerful, tornado or God? Hurricane or God? Category five or God? Do not be afraid for God has come in order to test you in order that the fear of him may remain with you so that you may not what? Sin. And this is what gets me about this. Moses goes up there. They see all this amazing stuff happening. And it was mentioned uh, earlier today, uh, all of a sudden they decide Moses has been gone too long. And what do they do? They, they, they fashion this golden calf and they rise up to play, which has sexual connotations. The immorality runs rampant. What in the world is going on with this? What's going on with this is the ability not to sin is not found. In law keeping. It's not. The the law. Some ten commandments here. Chapter 20. Itself. Does not empower the person. To keep from sinning. And so the apostle Paul. Knows this. And he realizes. That this same God. This God who is on that mountain. Is the very same God. Who has taken up residence. in God's people. Uh. The Apostle John says this, if we say that we have fellowship with him and yet walk in darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. But if we walk in the light as he himself is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. And the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all sin. That's how we can fear and not be afraid. Verse 8, if we say that we have no sin, we're deceiving ourselves so that the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and righteous to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we say that we have not sinned, we make him a liar and his word is not in us. My little children, I'm writing these things to you so that you may not sin. God the, so the fear of me that they would not send, they fashioned a golden calf. Jesus's blood cleanses us of all sin. We've got Jesus with us. And this should so change and move our hearts that hearing of this, realizing here it is, sin is a big deal. Yes, yes. the devil doesn't want to think sin is a big deal. Well, you've been saved by grace. Sin is a huge deal. God's son paid for that. That's a humongous ordeal. And I'm writing this to you so that you may not sin. And if any of you do sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous, the very one who says, you're not going to do it. You're not going to wipe them out. I died for them in your great name is at stake here. First John says, greater is he who is in us. Than he who is in the world. Jesus came to destroy the works of the devil, first John 3 8. We have an anointing from the Holy One, 1 John chapter 2. This is how it happens. The love of God is poured into our hearts by the Holy Spirit. And this then is the way that we say no to sin. By the power of the Holy Spirit deep inside of each and every one of us. And this is what Paul says when he says, For the law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus has set you free from the law of sin and death. For what the law could not do, weak as it was, through the flesh, God did. Please say, God did. God did. God did. What we couldn't do, God did. What the law couldn't do, God did. Sending His own Son in the likeness of sinful flesh. And as an offering for sin, He condemned sin in the flesh so that the requirement of the law might be fulfilled in us who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. Now, the key here is you walk according to the Spirit. You sow. To the spirit, the one who sows to his own flesh will from the flesh reap or reap destruction from the flesh. But the one who sows to the spirit, there's the key, sows to the spirit will reap eternal life from the spirit. This is it. And some of us in Christendom need to hear this. It's not by Law-keeping, it's not by trying harder. It's not by getting upset with ourselves. It's not by sitting around feeling guilty for a little bit longer. It's not about by talking down about ourselves. Beloved, it's by sowing to the Holy Spirit of God who descended on that mountain and now resides in each of us. I don't have time to take you to Isaiah 63, who says it's explicitly the Holy Spirit that was that presence on that mountain. You can look it up, Isaiah 63, verses 9 through 14. So don't grieve him, Isaiah says. Don't sow to the Spirit. Now, how do you do that? Develop your friendship with Jesus. Moses talked to God as somebody talks friend to a friend, face to face. You develop friendship with Jesus. How this is God works it out? Gives the verse in Sunday school. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. He who opens, I will come in to him. I will sup with you. We will dine. We will eat together. Like friend with friend. You see my dilemma today? How do I talk about the greatness of God and then talk about Jesus being a friend without us doing what minds and brains usually do? Well, that must mean he's a chum. This is the greatest of friends. This is the greatest of friends. So John Owen said this, Friendship is most maintained and kept up by visits. And these, the more free and less occasioned by urgent business. So it's not because we just need something. It's not just because we are gotten ourselves in a pickle. And isn't that great to know you can go to King Jesus when you're in those moments? But beloved, our great God wants to spend time with us. Does that blow anybody else away? God wants you to come up on the mountain and sit with Him. He wants to spend time of friendship with you. So I'm done. But I would say this. If you've been playing around with this God, I want you to know, this is not a God to play around with. This is a fiery God. The mountain is scorched. And He's present here with us Today. This is a God to be taken seriously and at the same time. This is a God that you can come into his presence and dance and rejoice and climb up into his lap. That blows me away. So I hope I've said enough today to blow you away. Amen. So let's pray. Would you guys just turn some music on and thank you guys for your patience today. I hope I've said enough To get across to you uh, the main point of the message. So Father in heaven, as always, we want you to be in charge of these worship services. And Holy Spirit, for you to take control. And I thank you that you're now with us in a concentrated way. I thank you, God, for the way you strengthen our hearts by faith. So that we can distribute that grace to one another. And so help us now for any who just want to come before you. And just want to renew their friendship with you, Jesus. And if that's you, I'd like you to go ahead and come up right now. If you want to come up and just renew your friendship with Jesus. And Father, would you reveal to us the greatness of who you are. And let America once again see how great you are. And I pray that the church of Jesus Christ would be absolutely amazed how great you are. In Jesus' name, amen.